Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. All right, guys, I'm here with Gray. My colleague, Gray, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. We are going to discuss what we believe um, individually, what the top five behaviors are that we feel each dog really needs to have a successful life. And we're going to start with five being least important all the way down to one. And we'll kind of go back and forth and, and discuss why we think that. So I'm going to let Gray start with his number five and what he thinks uh, is the fifth most important um, behavior command cue that, that you need to teach and why. I had a hard time putting this one so low on my list, but it's really important. Uh, I put that's enough as my fifth, even though I use it a lot, it's definitely changed my life as far as <laughs> stuff that I don't necessarily want at that moment. But yeah, I, I do believe there's more important ones than that, but that's enough is, is a really, really, really good one that I use all throughout the day. Okay, now I, I did not even think about that's enough, even though I use it five million times. And it truly is one of my favorite things to teach. And it didn't even make my list. So I, uh, but it's, you're right. That is a really important one to teach because I think it's a great command to communicate to a dog that we may not necessarily mind a behavior, but we really don't want it at the moment and teaching them to take their attention away. And I think it, it just gives much clearer communication than people using stop, quiet, no, don't. Uh, so you're right. That's enough as a good one. It didn't even make my list, but that's a good one. Good. All right. Dang it. Okay. That's all right. So my fifth one I put on there, believe it or not, and I really, I had to think about it, was um, the dog's name, name recognition. Mm. Because I was thinking, you know, I can teach all kinds of things, but if I don't 
if I don't know how to get their attention, then I'm, I'm going to be in trouble. So I think name recognition for me was number five. Uh, that may seem a little simple, but for, for me, the name, so many times people use the name for 28 different commands and it drives me crazy. But I want people to understand that the name should mean tune in between your, you know, between your ears. That's why I need you to tune in, not with your eyes, but tune in so that you can hear the next set of command that's, the commands that are coming. Instead of just let me say your name 48 times, even though I've never taught you to look at me. And I really don't care if a dog looks at me when I say the name. As long as I know they're tuning in um, and hearing me, then that's all that matters. So, uh, yeah, so I have I had the name. That's a good uh, one. I didn't even think about I, that either. I, see, and that's why I love having these conversations, because you start to think about things that you, you know, you maybe just skipped over or you maybe thought for me, I guess, maybe. That's enough is so common for me to use. I don't even know if I even thought of it as a separate kind of command. I don't know. So that's why I love having these conversations because you get an idea of going, oh, you know, I didn't even think about it that way. So, yeah. So we have number five so far. We have um, that's enough, which I can't believe I didn't even think about. And it's my one of my favorites and name recognition. So that's our fifth. All right, Gray, what's your number four? All right, number four would be leave it for me because let's be honest, our dogs are going to get into stuff. It happens, it's inevitable, and we need some a solid leave it to tell the dog, hey, don't go back to that. Don't walk back to that. Um, it's, you know, again, it's a really, really important command, but I don't think it's my top three necessarily. All right. I have leave it for number four as well. Yes. Nice. Uh, so I do. I, I agree. Leave it is a great command to say, hey, you know, I know that's interesting, but I really don't want you to have your mouth on it. And it's um, and, I, and let's explain to the listeners the difference between our that's enough and the leave it for that's enough. We use what you're doing is not necessarily wrong, but please take your attention away for a moment. So like excessive barking, too rough play, disrespecting signals during play, maybe. um you don't mind your dog licking, but maybe they're just getting uh, to where they're getting a little excessive. That's another time that you can use that's enough. And then for leave it, we use leave it for, I don't even want your mouth on it, like a dead animal. Or, you know, some people really freak out because dogs eat deer poop and rabbit poop. Let's be real. That's not, it's a pretty healthy food um, snack, if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> so leave it is, um, is a good one because it's just saying, hey, please don't roll in that an dead animal. Please don't pick it up with your mouth. Uh, so, yeah, so that made my number four as well. So, look, we got one awesome. um, match. That's awesome. And just so you all know, Gray and I did not discuss these before this recording. So I'm just as surprised as anybody else on what we're getting. Uh, so yeah, leave it is a really good one, but make sure that you guys, if you're teaching, leave it, do it properly and make sure that you're generalizing the leave it command properly and saying it properly. And I will just tell you that, that saying it this way, leave it, leave it, leave it, leave it is not the proper way to do it. Uh, that version just means swallow faster. Okay, so <laughs> yep. I know that game. <laughs> right? Dog's like, what? I have nothing in my mouth. I don't even know what you saw there, lady. Leave me alone. <laughs> All right, Gray, what's your number three? So I actually swapped my number um, my number three and number two. My number three is going to be stay. Teaching a dog real life stay, you know, stay put, don't move, don't move unless I tell you. You can move. Doesn't matter what I'm doing. Doesn't matter what's happening in the environment. 
all that matters is you stay there until I tell you you can get up. Yeah, I think that's an important one. Um, and number three, I had to stay as well. So maybe our podcast is not going to be, <laughs> um, we may not have very many different ones. Number five was the only thing so far that's been different. So, um, yeah, I think the stay is good just because, again, we're communicating to the dog what we want in those moments that we can't pay attention instead of leaving it up to them. Uh, so, and we're not talking stay that, that you may have learned in an obedience class where you ask the dog to stay back up 10 paces and then call your dog or say, stay and walk away 10 paces with your back turned and then walk back to the dog and reward them. Those are not the stays we're talking about. We're talking about real life stay as in we're sitting on a, on a patio, having a nice beverage and the bar, um, not the bartender, but the waitress is taking too long. So I need to go to the bar to get my beer. I'm going to tell my dog to stay. And I want the dog to stay there until I come back from my, with my beer. And that's that's what we focus on with real life stays. And, you know, that's definitely something that you guys need to work on. Now, we don't use stays for things like not running out the front door. If you're walking out the front door and tell your dog to stay, and then you walk out the front door and you're not in controlled control of your dog moving, this stay is not going to work properly. So I like to use, if I'm going to do something where I leave the house, I'm one of those where I'm like, okay, you guys be good. And normally I want to say you stay here, but I'll usually just use, no, you wait here. So wait kind of becomes my, you're here in the house and you can roam, but um, I'm leaving. And it's really more for me just to talk to my animals. You do, do you do the same thing? I, I, I do. I do. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I talk them way too much. Okay. Don't make me the but, only one. But that's a good segue to number two though, because All right. number two is door doorways and barrier control, car doors, front door, back door, all that stuff. He's on it, y'all. I've totally dropped the ball on that one too. Um, door control. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is important because we do get a lot of dogs that bolt out doors and they end up running into traffic or they bolt out the car um, at rest stops and rest areas. I mean, how many times do we hear about dogs that are lost on travels? And then, you know, people are having to go back to their home state and, and not find their dog. So, yeah, that's a really good one. Now, explain to people with your door control why we don't use like a stay or a wait command. Yeah, because we basically want to put the responsibility onto the dog. We want the dog to understand that it doesn't matter what I'm doing. It doesn't matter what's happening in the environment that you just do not break the barrier unless you have permission. Um, the reason we don't use wait or stay is one, there's no if we stay at the door, we don't have a way to release them to tell them when they can move. And two, it, it's situational. Let's say, you know, the, the door flies open one day or the door doesn't get shut all the way. And the dog's sitting there looking at the door. They're thinking, well, no one told me stay. And they're going to run right out the door. Yeah. So we want to teach them that it's, it's their responsibility to wait for the permission and not the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, how many times have we seen, you know, guests will go out of your house and they hold the door open while they're saying bye and the dog just sneaks right past, right? Because mm -hmm. nobody was consciously thinking, I need to tell the dog to stay or wait. I, I didn't have the dog's collar. Oh, no, now the dog has taken off. Um, I had it, you know, I, I taught it 
you know, I've been teaching it for a long time for door control, but I also, you know, teach my own dogs. And I had a chance to see if it was really going to work one day. And um, I was in the RV and it was parked and I had just the, the screen door closed. And so it was very easy to pop open. If my dog just was sniffing and, and touched the door, it would have popped open. Well, I was at a distance away, I'd say maybe 50, 60 yards. And I saw my RV door pop open. And I thought, uh-oh. Well, I, I thought, you know, I'm just going to stand here and I'm just going to watch and see what my dog does. And so sure enough, she popped that door open and she was kind of surprised of it. And she looked out and she took one step. Uh, there was about, it was two steps going up the RV. So she just put one step down, uh, which was still inside the RV. And you could just see her looking around. She was looking side to side, like, where is everybody? The door is open. I could just take off. And I just quietly stood back and she couldn't even see me just to see what she was going to do. And sure enough, she stayed. She did not come out of that RV because no one gave her permission. And, uh, and I thought, hey, that really works. <laughs> even though I've been teaching it for years, it is, it's the reason we teach it is for moments like that. And, and she did really well with that. And it's the same thing with car doors and um, and anything. So yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I totally forgot about that one too. I think I, uh, I either did not think enough on this <laughs> or maybe I just <laughs> thought too quickly. So R2 is different. Uh, so gray has door control and, uh, which is important. And that's not just your front door, your back door, but it's also your garage door, your car door, uh, the doors at home Depot and not a sponsor yet dog park. Um, dog park anything so yeah door control is a good one yeah and if y'all want to know how we teach that i think we have a video on the website if not mm -hmm. gray needs to put one together i just threw him on that one i'm in the process of making one actually right now oh thank goodness all right good all right i like that uh, yeah so door control is good so my number two not door control um i actually put in walking manners now I did not specify leash manners, so I didn't specify loose leash walking. And the reason I don't specify loose leash walking is because I really believe that the leash is to be used to teach off-leash manners. And I think if you can teach your dog the way you want them to walk with you, no matter where you are, with or without a leash, then I think you're going to be a little more successful. And I also think that if your dog knows how to walk, then if you do attach a leash, you would automatically have loose leash. Does that make sense? <laughs> I mean, truly, I just I, I think that if we just stop bringing that leash as the kind of control factor of all um, and really teach them how to walk with or without it, then adding the leash is not a big deal. So I think if we just focus more on walking instead of loose leash walking, just walking in general, then maybe it will change people's thought process. Because I, I think that if you have a dog who can walk on or off a leash, then that dog is going to have a better quality of life because you're going to be willing to take the dog out more and do things. Um, I wanted to mention the about the leash. One of our inmate trainers at Turney had said something really uh, I thought really good about the leash and I made him write it down because I kept forgetting what it was. So I'm going to read what he wrote. Um, it says the leash isn't a teaching tool. It is a fail safe device in case your teaching fails. 
And I thought that was really good. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, that was from Ed. So I was like, Ed, I love that. Oh, of course, uh, of course it yeah, was. right. Of course it was. Ed does a lot of our uh, group classes uh, teaching at the at the Turney Center. Uh, and if you don't know what the Turney Center is in the Retrieving Independence, then go back a few episodes and listen to the podcast on Meet Retrieving Independence. So yeah, so I think if a dog knows how to walk along with you and partnership with you, then I think it makes everything else easier. And if a leash is attached, then great. It doesn't change the behavior. Um, so yeah, that was mine. So, all right. So let's talk about our, our fifth. I had name, name, uh, recognition. So, which basically means tune in to me. Uh, and number five, gray had that's enough, which is a really good one. I'm, I'm kind of sad right now that I didn't think of that's enough. Uh, for number four, gray and I both had to leave it, which is good. We want the dog to leave things alone, not even put things in their mouth like dead animals. Number three, we both had our stay, real life stay, not this obedient stay. I can't imagine that there are many of you that are doing obedience trials. So uh, we're talking real life stay, not obedience trial stays. Number two, gray had door control, which is also a really good one. Um, and then, of course, now you do know that if so, let's talk about that door control real quick. So, yes, you can have door control where you're only giving permission to the dog, but can we also not use the stay command for door control if we are in the presence of the dog? So could that, um, you know, kind of say, all right, if I had to replace a command, could we use one of those commands to work with that? Now, obviously it would only be if somebody's there to say stay. So you'd have to be really diligent and you'd have to be aware. Still, I think the safest is complete door control. So those are some things yeah, to think about. I can, I can still see that. Yeah. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. So this is, this is why I like to have these conversations so we can really work through it and make our, make ourselves better trainers. Um, all right. Bing, boom, boom, boom. Great. Get on your, so, get on your drum set and do a drum roll. Right. Um, <laughs> Before I get to number one though, okay. my audible mention was leash walking. Okay. The only reason okay. I didn't, I didn't put it in my numbers was because I had to leash walking is really important for me. I like to leash walk my dogs. I, you know, I love taking my dogs everywhere with me, but not everyone is the same as me. Like my, my dad, for instance, I hate to use him as an example. But <laughs> He's probably not going to listen to the podcast anyway. Uh, he probably will. Hey, Deb. Um, hey, so, dad. you know, that dog is never on a leash unless he's working for dog speak, unless he's with us working. Um, Otherwise, the dog is never on a leash because he's really, really good off leash listening to my dad and stuff. He's a hunting dog and just kind of kind of thinking about, you know, other people's lifestyles and stuff. You know, for my first year of owning my Border Collie, I, I didn't even own a leash. I had him off leash the entire time. Nice. Never had him on a leash. Probably not the smartest thing, but he, he did really, really well. Um, he actually does better off leash than on leash. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of had to take that into consideration. You know, could you still, if your dog had no leash walking experience, could you still get what you need to get done with the dog? And that really just depends on what your goal is for the dog. You know, are you taking your dog hunting? Are you taking your dog, you know, walking, you know, downtown Franklin or whatever? So I, it, it really depends on what you're trying to do for the dog. I just want to kind of mention the leash walking a little bit, though. No, that's a really good point because you're right. Because there's some people that are, 
you know, I live on 80 acres and my dog is just on the farm with me. And if he goes anywhere, it's just riding into, you know, rides in the truck, not a big deal. So would the walking really be critical? Probably not in that situation. Um, but do you have, you know, but then there are people that live in apartments. And so taking them out to potty every single time on a leash is different. Yeah. You're right. You're, you're right. I think it definitely does depend. So if you have like a city dog, they're going to really probably need to have leash manners just mm-hmm. for safety 70, purposes. Yeah. Yeah. Because 75% of their life is on leash. So if you don't have really good, you know, leash walking skills, then it's going to, it can cause some problems basically. Yeah. And in, in our rural dogs, it's 75% you're off leash. So yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So I think it looks at kind of what that lifestyle looks like for the dog. And I think that that we do a really good job when we talk to clients of, you know, what are your goals? What do you really want? You know, I had a client yesterday that there were several things I wanted to do. And I've been trying to get to greeting guests uh, as far as uh, doorbell ringing. I've been trying to get that for the last three sessions. But we hit the things that were the priority. Um, even though I wanted to get the greeting guest, you know, it was more of what's the priority for their lifestyle and for, you know, their house. And, you know, we've yet to cover that, um, you know, and, and hopefully we will. But a lot of it was was walking on a leash with other dogs um, and coming when called, you know, so that was uh, something important. So I think you're right. I think if we looked at the different dogs, maybe our list, it would definitely change a little bit. So that's a good point. Um, my honorable mention was greet. And, um, yeah, I use greet for letting a dog know it's okay to say hi to another person or another dog. And I know that that kind of seems a little bit silly, probably for a lot of people, but I believe that if I have a dog that I'm all about, I like off leash, I like off leash control. And and all of our training is really set up to get the dog to where it is off leash control. If I have a dog who's off leash control, if they think they can go say hi to anybody, then I'm going to be using my stay command a lot where I would rather not have to use that. And it again goes to like the door control. You don't get to go say hi to anybody unless I tell you you can. So I'm not having to say stay or leave it or that's enough, you know, to to the dog 28 times because that's how many people I passed in the park (laughs) when I'm walking. So greet was my was my honorable mentioned. And I have a feeling our number one is going to be the same. I, I, I do too. Mine yeah, is come. I, yeah. <laughs> because, because if you teach the dog nothing else and you have a really good recall, you can get away with a lot of stuff. You, right. A good recall is you can't beat it really. Yeah. You can, you can do a lot of things with it. You're right. right. And people, I think that they think it's the hardest thing to teach and it's no different teaching that versus teaching anything else. It's uh, it's one of those things that, number one, most important is that humans need to be very clear on what they want when they say come. Um, when I say come, I want the dog to come to me. Let me be able to physically touch them and then wait for my release to go do something else. And a lot of people will use the recall for come in here, which means just come into this room or come inside from outside. I don't have to actually make contact with you. And that's where they fall apart. Yeah, coming coming when I need you. Come when I need you to do something, or when I when yeah. I need to do something. Yeah, or when uh, I need it in the fun. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And you that, can't. That's, yeah, you can't teach it if you're only using it when you need it. Exactly, and that's yeah, that's the biggest 
hole people put themselves in is yeah. they use it when they need it. When it's, you know, the dog's been outside all day long. It's time for uh, time for bedtime. They call the dog and the dog doesn't want to come in. That's the yeah. biggest problem I've, I've, I've seen um, with a lot of my clients. Yep. And they, and they only use it whenever they need it. So it's something you have to practice, but you're right. There's a lot you can get away with if you have a good recall. And, um, and that's, that's big, but here's the thing, guys, if you have puppies, do you know how many times a day your puppy comes to you without you calling it? Think about it. If you acknowledged your dog every single time it came to you, you would be looked at as the most rewarding human in the world. And the dog would never want you out of their sight. And I am big at teaching my dogs to keep an eye on me and not necessarily the other way around. So they they know that I am rewarding. And if they come and check in on me, even better. Especially like if we're out of the dog park, if they're running and playing and they just come in and check in. Oh, big praise, big love. And I send them on their way. Uh, so, yeah, we use we like to use our 30 foot leads to teach recall in more distracting areas. But your dog is coming to you on a regular basis at the house. All right. How many times do you ignore the dog when you when you're sitting there eating dinner and the dog walks up to you? No, your thought process is don't beg when, in fact, your dog just did a come behavior that you're wanting. That's where you need to look at priorities and really reward that behavior. Yeah. You got anything to add on that, Greg? No, I think. Like you said, everything I, I wanted to say, that was good. I mean, it's it's just something that it's not as hard to teach as you guys think. It, it's human error when you don't have a good recall. Not that I'm not that your puppy is not going to have a day where they're like, no, this is much more exciting than you. We have to know how to follow through with it. And of course, never punishing your dog for coming late. Because if you do that, he's never going to come to you. <laughs> Um, you know, I think about those times of going out and picking your own switch to get your butt whipped. You took your ever loving time because you wanted, you know, it was all about survival. I never had to go pick my own switch, thank goodness. But I did have family <laughs> members that had to. And when he would have to go outside and pick his switch, I was sure we'd never see him again because it took him so long. <laughs> um, you know, and dog dogs are real similar to that. So that's really an easy one to teach. If you just focus on those things and and listen to the podcast from last week, which is being proactive versus reactive. And if you're proactive and capturing that behavior, it's going to be a lot easier to teach. Um, Gray, you got anything to add to any of that? Any other no, honorable I, mentioned? I liked, I liked coming up with this list because it really, you know, I really did have to think about it. If I had five, five behaviors to teach a dog, it was, it was interesting to think about. Yeah, because I think it's something we don't think about on a regular basis. We go in with a plan of all these things we want to teach. But if we are limited on only teaching, you know, a few, what would those look like? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and it made me think about now I'm kind of like, well, how important is the name? Maybe that's enough is more important. I mean, so it, it is definitely something to think about. And we'll have to come up with something else. Um, and if you guys have any ideas that y'all want to hear us discuss or things of that nature, let us know. I mean, obviously it's hard for, for us to teach you how to do something in a podcast versus video. So make sure you have checked out the videos on the website, dogspeak101.com in our YouTube channel, uh, because we do show you how to teach some of these things. And Gray's working on some videos as well, which is fantastic. And I just put up a new video um, not too long ago with fear on vacuums. 
Um, I had to think about it because I actually just uploaded it today, but by the time you guys listen to this, it will be a couple of weeks. So go back and check that. So who knows by the time you listen to this recording, Gray will have some new videos as well. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's what I've got. So I'll go over it again. We have number five. I had the name, which it means tune in. Gray had that's enough for behaviors that we don't mind. Uh, however, we want it to uh, stop at the moment, like excessive barking, because we do not take barking away. We only control it. Number four, we both had leave it. Don't put your mouth on it. Number three, we both had stay. Real life stay, not obedience trial stays. Number two, gray had door control. Very important. Very much safety. Um, I had walking manners with or without the leash. And yes, I put that in one category, because I think if your dog can just walk with you, uh, with clear communication, then adding a leash should not be an issue because he already knows where he needs to be. So it would automatically be loose. And then number one, we both had the come command, which is our recall behavior. Very important. Honorable mention. Um, I had greet as my honorable mention on uh, don't go say hi to somebody without permission. And Gray had walking manners. So uh, correct, right? I was right on that because I yes. have to write that one down. So good. So I thought that was fun. Um, Gray, you got anything else to, to finish up with? I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I don't. I got nothing. No, that, right. I thought it was really good. You, you, um, you explained things a lot better than me. And I thought what you said was great. Well, I've been doing this for a while. And it comes, it just flows easily. It takes a while, you know, you try to get your head wrapped around some of these things, but um, I need to find, you know, that's why I like to, because I have been doing this so long, it's really fun to hear others who have not been in it as long, because I like to have the new thought process. I like to see things a little differently, because sometimes when you're in it, as long as I've been in it, um, it you just kind of tend to get in this little groove, and I never want to be stuck in that groove. I want to be able to bounce out of that and hear other people's. And, and I think that's one of my favorite things about going to Turney. When we talk to these inmate trainers, some of these guys have been training these service dogs for, you know, seven years. And yeah. I learn a lot from them. And I and I I hear different takes and it makes me go, you know, I never thought of it that way. And it really makes you think a little bit more. And, and it keeps the job interesting. Right. Yeah. A lot of things they say, I, I'm like, I, I would have never thought of that. They've they're really good problem solvers. They are. And that really does help us to kind of keep us on our toes. And uh, that's why I don't like the word expert. Uh, I don't like being referred to that because I think that once you're an expert, you're no longer learning. And I just don't think that you can ever learn everything you need to know about teaching dogs or teaching people for that matter. So, um, you know, I may be a leading educator on certain aspects of dogs, but I wouldn't call me an expert. Um, the only thing I'm an expert in is knowing I'm not an expert. I'm, I'm always learning. Uh, that is for sure. Well, uh, great. Thanks for joining me today. And I know I want, to do, I want to do more of these. So, yeah. uh, you know, now that we have uh, we can record online, all this quarantine stuff has made me get a little more creative on how we can do this online. Uh, so it's fantastic. And so, y'all know, we are socially distancing. Gray is at home and I'm at home. So. Uh, we are on the computer staring at each other, having this conversation, but uh, I'm glad you guys joined us. Um, I hope that you have a wonderful week and uh, keep joining us in. And if you have ideas, do let us know because, um, you know, sometimes, like I said, we tend to get in a groove and we don't think outside the box and we think things that are real simple for us. 
uh, that I think about certain behaviors that are so simple that I think, well, I, can, I don't want to do an episode on that. That's too simple when it's not so simple for someone else. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so throw ideas. It would be awesome. Definitely shoot us an email, guys. Let us know your thoughts, your ideas. We would love to have any and all. You can get us at info at dogspeak101.com. Or again, you can go on Facebook and send us a message. Great again, thanks for being on today, and I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the week.